You're now rocking with your Uncle Luke podcast, where you can get it straight from your uncle himself, rock and uncut. Today we got two special guests from the Dream Defenders. I'll start off. Welcome to the Luke podcast. You know, we try and do this podcast uh, once a week. We talk about sports, entertainment, politics, and being that this is in the forefront, uh, you know, uh, it just makes all the sense, make all the sense in the world to talk to you guys. Uh, we got the Dream Defenders. Yeah, hi, I'm Quinesha um, Smith, the South Florida Regional Organizer with Dream Defenders. Hi, my name is Lakshmi, and I co-lead Miami Dream Defenders. Okay, good, good. Hey, I'm, listen, I, I am so happy to be on here with you guys because I just totally believe in everything that you all are doing, everything that y'all have done before, because for you guys, uh, in the Dream Defenders, it, it, it didn't start uh, with Floyd. It, it started many, many years ago. You have made an impact on young people's lives and a lot of people's lives here in, in Miami. You've always kept your feet to the fire and, and, and uh, making sure, you know, you're there for positive change uh, within the community. And I, I've noticed, you know, tons of work that you guys have been doing. Uh, I, sometimes I'm in County Hall and I, I see, um, I hear about some of the stories and that you guys are at the forefront of those, the different issues that concerns the community, which is a beautiful thing because, you know, when you're an old head like myself, you kind of have a tendency of thinking, okay, you're there, you're there fighting for positive change and I've been doing it for over 30 years now. You know, who are you going to, who, who's going to be the next people to fight for positive change in Miami? When we, when, when I'm off to the pastures, you know, who are, who are going to be the next people to be able to hold this thing down? Because, you know, it, it is a struggle. It is definitely a struggle and it's not an overnight fight. And I'm pretty sure you guys know that it's a continuation of, of the fight uh, for equality for African-Americans and people of color you know, in this country and in this town. And I tell people all the time, you take one city at a time. And I just love the fact that you guys, you know, you have different, you have different uh, areas where you have dream defenders here, you the Southeast region, you know, uh, you, you're, you're all over the country, which is, which is so dope. Because when I was, uh, when I first started in hip hop, uh, we tried to put something like that together hip-hop artists, you know, we always looked at ourselves as representative of the area where we came from. You know, I rep Miami, Ice Cube, you rep uh, LA, Snoop Dogg, you rep Long Beach. And so we always kind of looked at ourselves as representatives. And at one point we, 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 we said to ourselves, we need to get involved in the political process because we have a platform, you know, not just through the music, but our platform is we rep, if we really represent that area, you know, it's very, very important that we get out there and use our platform to represent the area in a positive way. And so I always try to uh, encourage other hip hop artists and, 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 and being involved in anything that I can be involved when it comes to young people like yourself and pushing the message. Because if you don't do it, then what's going to happen to my 10 year old son, you know, uh, uh, eight years from now, you know, if hopefully Joe Biden get elected. Uh, whoever the next mayor of Miami, he'll nine times of 10, he'll be in office for eight years. And so the 10 year old kid right now that's, that's 10 will be 18 years old. And what would the world be uh, uh, for him 
as well as other little kids at 10 years old and they're turning 18 years old as well as you guys, uh, young people, what will this world end up being? And I think that you all are doing an excellent job if by pushing the envelope and keeping and keeping uh, your feet on the, the pedal on the metal. So I, I just want to say that, you know, I didn't want to get too long winded, but I always wanted to say this to you all if I ever met you. So this is the perfect time to do that. Uh, and it's in, uh, within these circumstances. So, so tell us a little bit about uh, your organization and how it started and why you started it. Yeah, so um, we got started um, after the death of Trayvon Martin. Um, you know, I think that year everyone felt that death <laughs> so deep in their soul because they saw themselves so much in Trayvon, uh, a young black man that was just trying to go home um, and was being harassed and lost his life um, due to Zimmerman and his actions. And folks were moved and also outraged, similar to like the state of folks at this moment, right? Just a sense of outrage and like, how, how is this happening? Like, this could be, like you said, you're thinking about your son that's 10 years old. This could be my brother and my sister, my nephews and my nieces, um, just trying to live their regular lives, going to the store, getting some snacks, like we always do. I have a corner store behind my house, right? We go there um, and we never think that we're gonna leave out and lose our lives just because of the color of our skin. And because of the color of our skin, we are deemed to be criminals um, and we are deemed to be suspicious. And so um, we went up to the Capitol, right? Um, we were outraged um, by the fact that one, um, a year later that Zimmerman wasn't charged. And so we took over the Capitol for 30 days, 31 nights um, with this still fire in our bellies, trying to um, get our, the standard, your ground law um, dismissed here in the state of Florida, which we know is, is a tool that is used a lot of times when a black body has, another black um, body has been lost, unfortunately. Um, and then with that, like that outrage and one thing we realize is we can't wait on the state. We can't wait on these elected officials. We can't wait for any of these folks to give us any kind of sense of justice um, and the actual things we need. So after, um, after leaving from the Capitol, you had black and brown young people across the state go back home and saying like, what do we need to do in our community to ensure that this doesn't happen? What do we need to do in our community to ensure there's some type of accountability that my life is not being threatened just because of the color of my skin? Um, and that moment, a lot of power was built, right? Because we started having these strategic conversations that's outside of the state. Um, conversation about what alternatives look like, conversation about what are the actual resources that we need, conversations that redefine safety and security, right? Which are these things that have been always pushed on us. Safety and security is police and prison. It's police, prison, surveillance, right? These are the things that the state has always told us kept us safe. And then we realized like, it's not like our communities aren't safe. Our, our, our black men, our black boys, our black women, our black girls aren't safe through these systems. Um, and so I'm just really grateful and proud to have Dream Defenders be my, my organizing and political home um, because it's really, this organization really ensures that we stay rooted into our stories and our experiences because they're valid. And we all know that there's actually a better world that we can build that's outside of this one that has been so normalized when it comes to state violence, right? White supremacy, racism, and for this thought of like, this is the only way. Mm -hmm. can, can you talk about, uh, uh, talk about from, from the protests and from the protests at the beginning, 
with Trayvon Martin to right now, what are some of the things that you guys saw that had changed with that whole movement between then and now? I think, um, I think with us, not a lot has changed, right? In a way, like we have been in a process where we have continuously expanded and dreamed, right? From that moment of taking over the Capitol and realizing elected officials are not the way, we've been using this time along with other organizations across the state to really combat what's happening, right? So like, how can we be in these budget meetings to ensure that we're not spending $400 million to build a new jail, but we're using that money to actually put it into our schools, right? Like, what are the things that we actually need? So we went back, we talked to our communities, we talked to our neighbors, we started sharing stories. We started sharing stories of harms that we face. And we started sharing stories about the things that we actually need. And so I think in this moment, everything just and we, we've seen this happen all all the time across the years, right? Since Trayvon, Eric Gardner, all these deaths, Sandra Bland, there's a moment, right? Where folks are just completely outraged and we're just like, enough is enough. But we know sometimes it, it pauses in the, in the limelight, right? But the organizing doesn't stop. Like those folks on the organizing that has been organizing since Trayvon, that's still organizing now. We have grown, um, we have developed more, we're more strategic. And we have some very clear plans and clear tactics on how to get what we want. But in those moments, we have a majority, right? We have so much people power. Like for the first time in ever, there's all 50 states are uprising. All 50 states are taking the seat, are, are, are taken to the street, right? And so that means we've over this time have, has increased our membership, right? Movements have increased their capacities. And we also increased the power and that power now is like doubling over in this moment because the, the the pot has boiled over basically. And folks just like, okay, this is, there's no turning back now. Like if we don't do this in this moment, that's it. Like we have to win right now um, because we, we're we like sick and tired being sick and tired. We've been tired, but now we just like mm -hmm. sick of, we like real, we like sick yeah, of right. it. Yes, we're so, left to hammer. So, so uh, talk about some of the, the uh, I mean, you uh, you guys mentioned the strategic the strategic plan that you have in place uh, when it comes to government because right now, just like I say, there's a thousand Zoom calls. I'm on a thousand. I'm talking to chiefs, and I'm so it's like you know, and I'm a if anybody if you know me, I'm a I'm real short with everything, and I you know because I've seen it all. You know, I was I was in the riots in the 80 riots, the Neville Johnson riot, I was in the Arthur McDuffie riot. Uh, uh, I was a kid DJing at African Square Park when a, a, sim, a similar police officer came in and uh, threw a bottle at us and told us all niggas get off the park. And it was a major uprising because if you know me, I'm, I'm real, a real militant. And, uh, and before you know it, we had a big riot and, uh, and in that riot on 62nd uh, in uh, 12th, uh, 15th Avenue on 62nd, in that riot at that time, uh, it was a major uprising because we were already, we're riot kids. I mean, we were, we it was a, a riot every other day because a, a white officer was doing something to a black person and to the point where we got, we called ourselves looters, you know, uh, 
not necessarily just because we looted into buildings, but we were just out there protesting as kids, just like you guys are. Uh, uh, and, you know, in that whole scene, uh, the city of Miami, I remember it like it was yesterday when I see these uprisings. In that scene, there was uh, a guy named Willie Sims from the Community Relation Board. They brought him uh, to speak to our group. Uh, and we had a small group similar to what you guys have. But then what they did was they infiltrated our group and they, they went and looked for the, the weakest link individual to then try to coach him up to be a spokesperson for us. Do y'all, do you guys have anything like that happening to you? Cause that's a customary uh, uh, strategic plan and way of operating from the city and the county and governmental uh, ways. Do you, do you see anything like that going on within you guys group? Um, I personally have not had, uh, the opportunity to speak to a spokesperson at every action. There are only police. There are no, there are no people coming forward to speak to us and to answer some of the questions that we have. Recently, we spoke at the board of commissioners, uh, because during this entire process locally, uh, they're still trying to build a $400 million jail. Hmm. So, you know, I, I and many members across uh, the city are enraged because we're thinking, how could, how could y'all still be thinking of building a $400 million jail when there are hundreds of people on the streets right now getting tear gassed, getting shot with rubber bullets, um, you know, how could y'all be thinking about this? So we, we have not had the opportunity to speak to anyone that is willing to speak on behalf of uh, the council. So when you, when you, when you all go, uh, so <laughs> that's, that's interesting because to, to, to have you guys with such a powerful organization like your organization, not bring one of you guys to the table and have a conversation about uh, what what are some of your initiatives? That that's amazing. So tell me, what are some of you guys' initiatives going forward? Uh, if you could talk about it. Yeah, and and just with the spokesperson thing, I think we've also have done a really great job at like making sure we control the the, the language, right? And that if anyone ever tries to step out and like, oh, you know, I'm saying um, with Dream Defenders and, I'm, you know, I'm part of the team. Like we nip that in the bud and we were, yeah. we're also like on the ground in the community. And we also let folks know, yeah, who are we at the table talking to? What are we trying to push? We, we're very transparent in the way that we move, which I think is needed, right? The community needs to know what we're doing at all times. Um, and so, yeah, when... Like we were prepping to go to the first budget meeting, I think a couple of months ago, we sat down with all the commissioners and said, did you know this was happening? What are you going to do about it? Like, how are you going to push back? And and with some of the initiatives we in, in Miami, um, we have the Free the Block campaign, right? Where um, it started off as we want to end cash bail because we know cash bail doesn't do nothing for our people. We have people that are sitting now, even in the midst, in the middle of COVID, right? 
only inside because they cannot afford to get out. We know this disproportionately affects black and brown um, folks at all times, right? It's us who, I, uh, that $100, that $500 that you're putting on me, I can't pay, so I'm in here for a month or even sometimes a year because I can't bail out and I'm not even guilty yet. <laughs> you haven't, you know, convicted me of a crime. And so we were really on, on the ground on that, doing a lot of petitions, got uh, uh, thousands, thousands of signatures um, backing us this need to end cash bail, went to, you know, our, you know, the person who could help us with this, which is Captain Fernandez Rondo, and sat down and like, we want to end cash bail. And we don't want it to be, it to be replaced with a risk assessment because we're seeing places like DC and New Jersey who have gotten rid of cash bail, say these risk assessments are the same things. Oh, what's your prior? What neighborhood are you from? What's your mm -hmm. zip code? All these things that are actually just points against you and keeps you inside. That doesn't actually, like a needs assessment, what are your current needs? Do you have housing? Do you need mental health support? Do you need drug counseling? All these, you know, the actual needs that folks have that sometimes is, is even bigger than what even the crime may have been. Um, and a lot of the underlying issues of why it may have happened, we, we they overlooked that. So we wanted to end, like end cash bail and that's still something we're going hard for because it doesn't do anything for our folks. Honestly, um, right, we just got word that um, someone in Miami jail and last week could talk a little bit more about this with Anthony Swan, um, Swain, who's finally going to be, be released. Um, but we want to ensure that a $400 million jail is not built in Miami Dade. 400 million. Luke, I'm pretty sure you can think of so many things. You could probably sit down with your son and your family and think, what can we do with $400 million in our Yeah, year? yeah. You know that, that's, <laughs> what programs y'all want? <laughs> that, you know, that's kind of that's interesting that you say that because earlier today I was on, I was on uh, another Zoom with all the chiefs and then I was on with a with the uh, chief, with the uh, director of corrections, and the director of corrections was bragging about the jails that they closed down. So you just—I mean, you just educated me on something that I will definitely have a conversation with him about because he just today said, "Well, we're closing now. We've closed down three or four jails, and we've closed down this little jail, but then we're building a four hundred million dollar jail." That that's that 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 is uh very funny uh, that they didn't mention that. Very funny. With a bed yeah, with a bed increase <laughs> than what we currently have. Yeah. We can actually close down pre trial because we if we get rid of cash bail and actually are doing a needs assessment and seeing what people need, we don't even need pre trial detention. Like we could exactly. get rid of that and not even build a new jail, um, and move forward to like what folks have in conversations now about defunding the police divesting from prisons and like reallocating that money to, to the things you need. But I, so, I would love for... Oh. So now let me ask you, in your conversation with Kathy uh, Rondo, I mean, she she has she has the power to make that change or is that a legislative, uh, is that a legislative initiative that needs to happen? No, so with our, our state attorney, they have so much power. Yeah. That one seat, and she has been in there for over two decades um, currently. So when it comes to cash bail, and so prosecutors, they are the ones that come to the seat in the courthouse and, you know, they offer, okay, we want this, we want the charge to be this, this how many years we want to give them, right? 
this what we want the bond amount to be. So because of this crime, we'll get $1,700, $1,700 for this. This is, this is what the bill would be. So instead of doing that, the state attorney could ensure that their office um, use something else, like needs assessment to see what the other needs are instead of proposing the cash bail. And so it's not only making sure our state attorney and prosecutor does this and agrees to not ask for cash bail, which will end it because of majority of the time we have judges that listen and take direction from the prosecuting office. Um, and so if they propose a no bail, no bail can happen, right? Um, and so we have the state attorneys and we have these judges that we can actually hold accountable to end cash bail, um, cash, uh, KFR wants to pr move forward and test out risk assessments here in, in Miami-Dade. When we've seen that, it actually caused harm as well, just like cash bail is. It's, folks are still being locked up for crimes that they haven't been convicted of um, at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to, I'm sorry, it takes money to keep someone incarcerated. It takes about $60,000 a year to keep someone incarcerated. Do you know what can be done with that money in our communities? It's, it's really tragic. If there were three, if there were five things that you all like on your wish list, five things that you would want to see change right now. I, obviously, we already know cash bail is number, is one. If there were four other things that you guys, when you're out there protesting, this is what I'm protesting. This is what I'm protesting for. Yes, you know, Trayvon Martin, the injustice that are happening to African-American men by police officers, uh, killing, killing uh, our black men and black women in the unfair treatment of black people, black and and uh, people of color, if there were five things that you guys would say, okay, these are these are the other four things other than cash bill that we want to see get done, and this is why I'm out here fighting every day and I'm protesting my ass off. What would be those other four things? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's funny because it's like really just four, just four. You couldn't. No, I know it. I know it. I know it's a hundred. But I know it's a hundred and the reason, let me tell you the reason why I said four, right? Because when I'm dealing with politicians every day, you know, and when I'm trying to, when I'm doing the things in the community, I, I learned a long time ago, you know, you go in the room and you say, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that, I want this. And then they kind of like that. They kind of like the fact that you want a thousand things and eventually they do nothing. So what I came up with a, with a formula of how I'm getting things done was I'm gonna go in the day and I'm gonna ask for uh, three things. And I'm gonna get these, I know I, I know I know I have 20 things I need to get done, but the three things on my radar so you can do those is not all over the place. I'm gonna ask for these three things and we gonna get these three things done. When those three things done, then I'm gonna come back and ask for three more. And then, and I'll constantly keep moving you know, the needle, and I'm constantly getting things done because I ain't never not got nothing to do. You, you, you see what I'm saying? And so, yes. and so I found that to be being a very effective way of getting policy change and getting things done. So if you have four things, your top top five. Yeah. I let's not let's not count abolishing police and prisons. Okay, because that's like that's the ground we started on, and that's how we move. Like that's the goal. That's our long-term strategy. Right. But I think our 
I will fall back onto like what we're what a lot of the local work we're currently moving. So we're doing a lot of work within the state attorney's race, right? For the first time in so many different counties, like Broward, for the first time in over 30 years, we're getting a new state attorney. Um, and so some of our demands with whoever are going to be in the seat is to end cash bail, to stop the, the transfer of kids to adult prisons, which is direct foul, right? Which we know harms are, and the recidivism rate is so horrible. Um, we want to decrease their funding. Like we want to decrease the state attorney's office funding. We don't want restorative justice circles to be held in that department. We should be actually donate, like moving that money into community programs that are going to help individuals um, get the, the help and resources that they actually need. So for me, those are like the three things that come to my head um, is cash, is cash bill, stop the transfer of kids to adults and also decrease the funding of the state attorney. And then I'll pass it to Lashley. And no new jails, Miami. (laughs) No new jails. They trying to say that they're building a more humane jail. That's not the solution. The solution is to take all of that money and redistribute it in our community. We need that money. We don't need a new, more humane jail. We know that the conditions in the jail right now are disgusting. Why? Because a lot of our members have been locked up during these actions and they know what it looks like in there right now during the covid this horrible pandemic there are folks you cannot socially distance inside of a jail it's impossible folks are dying in there folks are folks are in rooms huddled up together anthony swain we thank god we've been able to bail him out six hundred and fifty thousand dollars can you imagine a man that is paraplegic a man that cannot harm anyone a $650,000 bail that's insane wow. that's 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 amazing now you have you have the, the the great thing about this and everything that you guys are doing uh when it comes to the prison system and the jail system you have you have two a Broward County uh state attorney race and a Dade County state attorney race uh so have you guys sat down with any of these candidates and have any of these candidates signed on or made commitments uh, to some of these causes that you guys have? Yeah, uh, we've been able to meet with Melba Pearson. She's uh, uh, running, she's the only person running against the incumbent, Kathy Fernandez-Rundle. Um, we've gotten her to commit to ending cash bail which is nice, uh, but we are looking forward to continuing to have conversations. Uh, the last time we spoke, it was uh, a different time. We're, we're living in a time right now where things are radically different than a few months ago, right? Um, so uh, we, we're looking forward to talking to her and, and maybe getting her to, to side with us on a lot of things because she is pushing uh, decarceration um, and we want her to be more abolitionist right we want her to be talking about no new jails we want her to be talking about these things that genuinely affect our communities um and so yeah we're, but um right now it's kind of looking like melba might be a little bit better than Kathy. let's just see mm-hmm. yeah and we want to continue pushing here in broward there's a lot of people running we got about 10 folks running um and we've actually we've been in the process um and so before we make any collective decisions our squad are is a part of everything and so for the past year, we actually met with majority, like mostly all of the state attorney candidates here in Broward. And we sat them down and we asked, are you going to end cash bail? 
Are you going to stop um, marijuana charges? <laughs> are you going to stop direct foul? Are you going to um, invest money into more resources such as mental health and restorative justice? Um, what is your police accountability going to look like? Like we sat them down and asked them all these questions and on the basis of our freedom papers, because that's how we move. We have seven freedoms um, that we hold to everything that we do when we're strategically planning and everything like that. And here in Broward, um, we're narrowing it down. Uh, we're going to be going public soon with who we're going to be endorsing in Broward County um, and the person that's going to help us decarcerate, right? Be in a partnership. Knowing a long-term goal is for that office not to exist. <laughs> so it's just like, we're chipping away at this system. We want to work with you to decarcerate and get our kids out of jail. We want to decrease the population. Um, we want to reinvest this money into somewhere else. And so very clear on state attorney, we don't work with you to get these things. And our goal is for you not to exist because that's where the world we, the world we want to live in, where we don't need these systems. Because we mm -hmm. have more community wealth and more programs and like all the things that we actually need to keep us safe. Yes, uh, and, and that is very important because uh, positive programming and, and, and putting the efforts toward toward uh, uh, toward things where kids and, and young men and young ladies are not incarcerated because just like you say, when there's 60, when the incarcerated person is anywhere between 60 and $70,000, uh, that becomes a business. You know, uh, the guy who, the guy who, uh, who's in, who's, who has the produce contract? He's making a lot of money. The guy who has the the poultry contract, the meat contract, he's making a lot of money. And and uh, those are the guys who nine times out of ten are funding some of these some of these uh, these campaigns. You know, I've always had a tendency of of following the money. You know, when you follow the money, you know, uh, it'll tell you a lot. And so. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's similar, the, the same thing, uh, you know, I always, you know, guys, uh, guys and girls always come to me for my endorsement uh, uh, to endorse an individual 99.1% of the time, whoever I endorse, they normally win because they have a, a big block, a big voting block. And, and I always think from the standpoint of what you guys are doing and other people in the community are trying to do uh, and to try to get done. And the first thing I do is I look at who's already donated to their campaign and uh, pull that, pull that, uh, that financial sheet. And, 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 you know, I'll tell them in a minute, it's a waste of time sitting down with me because I already know you've already have taken money from uh, a produce company who's, you know, who, who's expecting to sell more produce in a jailhouse and that means you need more people locked up. So if you are running for state attorney, or if you're running for sheriff, or if you're running for uh, any seat, then that, that's what your agenda would be. You not It's not sexy to say it, but nine times 10, that's what it's for. Uh, you, you guys, you know, these are trying times right now. Uh, you all have been protesting, you know, weeks. We all have, at some point been out there, but I'm, you guys are on the front line. You know, I heard you just talking about uh, the protest that you came from today. And I was looking on my Twitter before we got on here. <laughs> I follow a couple of, I follow a couple of news reporters who I know that are on the ground floor that, I'm, that I have a relationship with. 
Uh, and they were saying today was probably one of the biggest protests that they've seen uh, since the protests started uh, today. And, and if you if you could tell me the story that you were telling me off camera about having uh, the, uh, the the white protesters stand up and stand up in the front of the crowd to to block you all block the police from the black kids to uh, talk about that story and, and some of the stories going on with these protests that you all have been experiencing and in, 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 the, in the movement and what it's doing for you as well. Well, um, as, as a young person um, uh, today and in general, I want to say that the youth are leading the revolution. They are. The, there are so many babies out there, children yelling, screaming that their lives matter. Um, and I'm getting emotional thinking about it because being there and, and marching around those folks is, is so moving, it's so powerful. Um, today specifically, so many people showed out um, and uh, the police were attempting to block us off. They blocked off all the exits to the highways um, and they, they were trying to corner us into one specific area. Um, but because there were so many people, we were able to make our way to the highway today on I-95. And, um, that was, that was powerful because, uh, not only were white folks, uh, blocking and, and standing in front and using their bodies to protect us, um, they were pulling fencing off of the side and and putting it on site on the highway in order to make sure that the police didn't make any interactions with us they were yelling at the police uh why are you in riot gear there there is no riot here right um nobody was being violent we weren't looting we weren't setting anything on fire like the news say um we were really just trying to gather all those folks and then in the blink of an eye, I look back and there's like a mass amount of people walking towards us. We thought that we were small in number and then we look back and there's like so many people. It was honestly a sight to behold. Um, and I think it, it just shows that um, here in South Florida, there are a lot of white Latinx people, right? There's a lot of uh, folks that don't align with our views that feel that we're being violent and that this is not the way, but enough is enough, right? We're tired, we're tired. And um, I think that, that that is echoing throughout every community in South Florida. Uh -huh. you, you, let, let me ask you, uh, because this is the, the, the interesting part of the conversation, you know, and, and getting legislation changed so things like this don't happen and things that you all are trying to get accomplished uh, do you you when you when you're in the crowd uh you see this makeup of all different types of people at that point it's not <coughs> democrat or republican it's a it, it it it's a bunch of people that are outraged by the system and uh during this time which is if there was a if there was a good time for something bad to happen to turn it into something good, this is the perfect time, I would say, because you have an election getting ready to come up. And so uh, talk about some of the things that you guys are going to be involved in when it comes to this election. Are we going to see massive uh, protests to the polls? 
Are we going to see massive uh, protests when when the when the, the legislation legis legislators come back into uh, into Tallahassee in November? Uh, it, it, how are we going? How are you guys going to go about this? And what are some of the things that you want other people, whether it's younger or older people, how how you guys want them to get involved uh, with the movement? I think when it comes to um, political organizing, right? Because this is that is just one tactic, right? Um, it's voting. Voting is one of the hundreds of tactics that we're trying to use to be able to build the power that we need to change our communities. And we know some folks vote, some folks don't, but we know this is a, a clear tactic that we could use to gain some of that power. And like the first thing, like we're still in the middle of an epidemic, folks need to get their mail-in ballots, right? Um, because we saw primaries were happening. I, I think I saw news in DC how long those lines were, right? Because people have to still six feet apart and they were like going across the, the corners in the streets because they were so long. So I think the mail-in ballots and yeah, we have a goal of getting youth registered. We want to have a large youth turnout. I think we had a, a big turnout when it came to the gubernatorial race that happened a couple years ago. And we want to continue to get folks registered to vote. So we're working and collaborating with other organizations to ensure that folks are voted, returning citizens um, registered to vote so they can go to the polls. Some for the first time. I know for me, my mom and my dad be the first time that they're that they will be able to participate in the election due to Amendment 4. Um, so we want to go out to the, have folks go out to the polls. We're going to march. <laughs> We're going to be doing from now until then po political education, right? About what this moment means and what's at stake. We have mass meetings happening across the, the state um, with our squads for folks to really talk about like what we can do, how we can build power politically, the things we can build on the ground. We had a mutual aid site happen in Miami due to coronavirus that we were holding down, um, where we had showers and hand washing stations and donations being given to houses people in Miami because folks were getting evicted. So all like, so it's just like a catalyst of things, right? It's just like, but we want folks, there's so many different ways for you to get involved. That's talking to your family about it, right? Are they registered to vote? What do your family really need? What do your neighbors need? Let's share stories with one another because we experience a lot of the same thing. Um, and I think it's when you were talking about um, in the crowd, Democrats and Republicans, but it's like we're trying to build a movement that's cross race, cross class, right? This, this cross class, cross race kind of thing um, because we're going to need everyone. Right, like we need these folks to be on the ground and help with us screaming Black Lives Matter, right? We need folks to be taking the streets with us. We need folks to continue to take leadership from black women and trust and believe in them, right? Because we're not free until the black women are free. And that's, that's like a, a nice little period at the, at the end of that. And so it's like taking that leadership. But yeah, these next two months, it's like join a squad, join, a squad, find an organizational home that you could help build your political analysis, help us strategically plan, help help like learn some of the things that we've have like put away. I joined Dream Defenders and I've joined this movement as an ally. Um, organizing reform workers and I wasn't even thinking about the state violence that I experienced in my household due to police. And, and all, all the men in my family has been to prison or jail. That was so normalized to me. Mm -hmm. I got in the DD space and it was like, freedom for prisons and police. We don't need them. Let's share our stories. I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> this is this is a thing. We could do this. 
Um, so yeah, this moment for us to get grounded in the power that we actually have, um, honestly, and they can't, so, nobody can take that away from us. That's why they're so scared. <laughs> I already know. So let me, let me, let me, let me ask you about when folks say, oh, they're blocking off the highway, they're blocking the highway, they're ruining our way of life. What, what do you guys say when critics like that make those type of statements? You know, uh, this is an organized, you know, because you have, we, we know you got, we, we all have haters uh, that just do not want change in the world. What do you, what, what do you say to them? What would you say to them uh, 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 as, as a critic of what you guys are doing? Well, I mean, a minor inconvenience, like uh, having to wait on the highway is nothing compared to the death that we've been bearing witness to. I'm sorry that our peaceful protesting bothers you or that it makes you feel uncomfortable, but death makes me uncomfortable. My family dying makes me feel uncomfortable. Black people across this country dying makes me feel uncomfortable. My life matters, and I'm sorry that right now your life is inconvenienced, but mine is at risk. So, you know, that's what we say. We're not, we're not looting. We're not burning cars we're not doing any of the things that they're accusing us of doing we're leading a massive group of people into very focused rage and we're not just protesting we're organizing while we're protesting right because the work doesn't end here mm -hmm. this is not a moment this is a, a dedication to black lives right so at these protests we're not just yelling we're also speaking to each other we're gonna have a mass meeting tomorrow at noon with all the people that have been attending these protests in order to let them know that protesting is one thing, but what we really need to succeed and to win is direction, strategy, and organizing. Yeah, yeah. You, you, when you mentioned uh, uh, about about uh, protesters and people saying that, you know, the protesters, uh, uh, is protesters are, are looting and doing things like that, but then now there's this whole conversation of of uh different organizations infiltrating the protesters to to do the damage in order to have the police react in the way that police is reacting in places like seattle and every other place like that so do do you all have some sort of uh, uh game plan as to seek these individuals seek these individuals out who are trying to uh, uh, trying to do those different things uh, within your protests? Yeah, so we have a system in place. We have marshals or folks that are there to ensure safety and to identify anyone that might possibly be an agitator or someone that is trying to coerce uh, violence, right? So um, there are several members at any of these protests. A lot of them we do not host. I want to make that very clear. We are not leading uh, we're not organizing these protests, but we are there to support because we know that we need to organize, right? So yes, there are systems in place where we have medics, we have marshals, AKA, like I, I just mentioned that keep the safety, keep the peace. Um, so yeah, we're very, very acutely aware of folks that might be agitating or trying to start something. Right, I, I guess my, my last thing is, uh, you, you have Dream Defenders, Black Lives Matters. How do you all, uh, how do y'all communicate within all the different organizations uh, that do protests? If there is there type, some type of system in which you guys communicate with each other to, to schedule protests and, 
and, and talk about some of the things that uh, on your agenda that you that, that that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, we move things as a collective. We know the the only way we're going to win some of these things is through people power. Um, just to like zoom a bit more in, like here in Florida, we have a the statewide alliance group that's made up of multiple organizations across the state that we are in continuously conversation with. When it, from it, Dream Defenders to talking about immigration to talk about all these different things from what phone workers are facing, but what in, incarcerated workers, like all these multiple people we build relationships with. Like they're a part of this work. We organize with them. We stand in solidarity with them. And so we continuously have conversations about what we're trying to move, how we're able to support and stand in solidarity with one another. What is it going to take? Um, we have sometimes deep um, strategy calls and meetings where we try to game plan and think about what's next. And I think that's a beautiful thing because when we go to places like Broward and Miami, you go to Pensacola, you go to Gainesville, you you go to Bethune-Cookman, you go to any of these places where these organizations are and our squads are and you have a home, which I think is also pretty amazing. But we are in constant contact because we know our lives are at stake and like we cannot do this as a siloed organization over here while everyone's over here, but we have to really work together. Um, we were just on a call earlier talking about this moment with like multiple organizations across the nation, right? And sometimes that even expands to international waters um, because we know like it's going to take all of us to get us all free. Yes, I, I you know, w once again, I would like to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I, I think this is a very important moment. Uh, what you guys are doing uh, what you young people are doing, you know, uh, standing out on the front lines every day, uh, fighting for fighting this social injustice that's going on in the world today. And, and uh, I, I just want to commend y'all. And and I can tell you, if there's anything at any given time that you that you need me to do, uh, uh, because I believe in what you all are doing, and I always did. Uh, you don't hesitate to, to get on the phone and, and call me up or send me an email or a text and I'll definitely be there uh, for you guys. I think uh, uh, I know for a fact uh, we know it's change. What you guys are doing here and around the world, it, it is it is making a difference. You are, you, it, it's, it's nothing like this in my lifetime and I've been on, on this earth uh, uh, I'm in my late 50s and I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen a movement like this where you're changing minds and, and people are being exposed who, who had the opportunity when you guys went out and fought for Trayvon Martin and the injustice that happened with him. They had the opportunity at that time to then say this was wrong and, and, and I'm pretty sure you, 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 we all, you guys, uh, for oppositions uh, of people who 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 didn't feel that way. Some felt that way, but they didn't feel that way because the world wasn't the world wasn't like this right now. And the things with Colin Kaepernick, the things with uh, uh, the disenfranchise of uh, of African Americans when it comes to housing and and the banking system and biker system and all these different things. People are just like you say, are fed up. So don't think for one minute that you guys are not uh, out there by yourself. You're fighting for grandma, granddad, you're fighting for the little 
10-year-old in the room out there, and you are making a serious impact. When you see Roger Goodell, the, the leader of the NFL today, get on TV and, and, and issue apology, we all say it's too late. We say it's too, it's too late. And because you fought that, fought that fight with Trayvon Martin, and because people like Kaepernick uh, fought that fight early on, they had an opportunity to, to say they were sorry at the time. They had an opportunity to make change, but because of what you guys are doing right now, they, they, they have no choice because they're looking at their life and saying, uh, this could be over. And, and, and I always say everything is biblical uh, for me uh, when I see it. And, and I, I always ask the man upstairs, why are we here? Why we got COVID? Why, why is everybody home? Why is, why is there nothing on TV? And why did you sacrifice your child uh, in that moment to lose his life, to bring on this, this massive movement around the world? And so I, I I say you guys keep doing what you're doing. And just like you say, the fight ain't over. You know, when the protests is stopped, we're still gonna have to uh, work on, on change. Uh, and and uh, like I say, anytime you guys need me, I'm there. Uh, I'm fighting a whole different, uh, I'm fighting a whole different fight with, uh, with legislators on uh, quantifying uh, 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 immunity and, and, and those type of fights uh, where, where we'll be, hopefully we could change the legislation where police officers wouldn't be able to to, uh, to, to, to be held to the same standards, matter of fact, held to higher standards uh, uh, because they should know better. They should know the law. They should know not to uh, put their feet on the neck. And if they get fired, uh, if you get fired, you should be just like any other civilian. You lose your pension, you lose your certification, and you'll think twice before you pull that gun out to know that you get ready to lose your life also. So these are some of the things that we uh, are trying to fight on as well. And like I say, uh, together we all can make change and you guys are, are doing an excellent job and I, I applaud you and thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us. You're welcome. Okay. So you're going to the 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 uh the uh Miramar protest? I, I see that there's a oh, protest. I, I won't be there. We're gonna be doing here in Broward. Um we're having a visual, um, like a say their name visual happening up more in Oakland, like Oakland Park area. Okay. Um but I I know some other folks um is going to be at the Miramar. Yeah, they're not letting up. I was just on 441 earlier today. Every day, we want every day. If something happens every day, that's great because it's just like, we're not going to let y'all forget anytime soon. That's right. Really good to see. Yeah. Okay, though. Thank you guys uh, for coming on. Thank y'all so much. Thank you so much for having us. Bye. We all know that Black Lives Matter. And now is the time to lift our voices until they're heard even in deaf ears. Thank you to our special guests from the Dream Defenders. And as for you, thank you for tuning in to your Uncle Luke and the squad. And catch us next time. Many blessings.